Hello and welcome back to the Offensive Zone show. Uh, the music at the beginning tells you that it might be near a certain holiday. Uh, JP, welcome to the show, of course, as always. Uh, I think there might be a certain holiday that's, that's taking place. Um, I thought I have to change it up. <laughs> I mean, that really put me in the holiday spirit, man. Yeah. I feel so... I feel so jolly now. <laughs> well, it was between that, right, <laughs> as starting with the music, or I literally considered just saying, like, this week, it isn't the offensive zone, it's... it's <laughs> so, yeah. I look, yeah. Those lawyers are there yeah, priming, they're... They're, getting their, they're getting their evidence ready, but it's, it's fun. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I tried not to The first it, version though. was a little more mellow, too, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calm Christmas, and then you've got Noddy Older going absolutely mental, which is, uh, yeah, there you go. So it doesn't feel that long since me and you last sat down and recorded an episode, because it wasn't. Um, so, you know, just as a caveat before we start this episode, because we have this horrendous habit, JP, if we finish an episode, we record it, you know, we slap a sticker on it, it's done, and then... The news, like the NHL says, right, let's release that news now, and then, then we, we look like we missed the boat. Um, it happens every, every time. time. It's always Sunday nights. Uh, but so it's the twenty second of December as we record this, uh, and what we decided to do, rather than release it on Monday, is we have actually released this um, just before Christmas. But that is to replace the episode on Monday, so we're going to leave this episode running for a little longer than we normally would. But we thought, as a Christmas present. To the listeners, if you're bored on Christmas Day and your your family is maybe doing your head in, you need to go somewhere else, put some headphones on to zone out, and you're just turkeyed out as well, <laughs> uh, and you want to listen to the offensive zone, you can, and that's our that's our gift to you. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so we have got some news. So I'm going to go straight to your favourite jingle. Oh no, no. That's my fault because I've got too many jingles. So I like that jingle. It's too. a good jingle, but it's not quite as good <laughs> as. There we go. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm going to start adding harmonies as we go, I think. So. <laughs> but yeah, I was toying with new news jingles, which is why that one's on there, and I shouldn't have clicked it, but. Never mind. Um, <laughs> see, I could edit it out, but I think we're going to leave it all in just to show you that Why we're, not? You know, yeah. we're, we're not perfect um, if you haven't worked it out already. Um, but there, So there was two <laughs> bits of news, and these two bits of news, like, ironically, both came out after Sunday night. Of course they did. Um, and they're two major bits. Now, we haven't really got any hockey games to talk about except for last night for the, for the Knights, but we'll come to that in a minute. We're going to do a season so far of the Kraken and a season so far of the Golden Knights today. Um, but before we get to that, I said there's two bits of news. And the first bit of news was around the NHL shutdown. Now, the NHL shuts down anyway over Christmas, like all the leagues do, to allow players to spend time with the family. There's no training. There's a couple of days, but it, it is normally a couple of days. So because of the COVID impact that we're seeing they decided to shut it down. The last game was uh, yesterday, and that's now until, I want to say it's like the 28th, I think it is, when the next game is. Although it's a little hard to tell because of the chaos, which is Canada. 
Um, but the NHL, as we speak, is currently shut down for Christmas. So they're on their holidays. Um, I didn't realize this, JP. 50 games have already been postponed. Oh, it, it happened so fast. So fast. Well, I was looking at the NHL app, which is where I usually go to see the, the kind of the game schedules and see who's playing. And I couldn't believe it. All of a sudden it was like, uh, you know, 10 out of 12 games have that little PPD right next to them. Postpone, mm-hmm. postpone. So I'm not surprised by that at all. It happened really quickly, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, so, uh, which is, it's well, it's made the gym mornings for me very boring. So mm. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm, right. know, but, uh, yeah, so 50 games already, and we then saw, and this is a second piece of news, the knock-on effect of those 50 games, and it was announced, um, it was kind of announced a couple of days ago. I think the players were already talking about it, but the league hadn't officially announced it, um, that the NHL has decided that the players will not be allowed to go to the Olympics so when it was first reported, I think it was the the podcast uh, Spitting Chicklets, which unofficially announced that the players have basically said, yeah, we're not going, which is no shocker. I mean, we were talking about in the last episode, JP, about how strict the rules were and how a, a player could potentially get stuck in China for five weeks, like unpaid and unable mm-hmm. to play. And it wasn't just about the money. Like players will be sat there thinking, Oh, I don't want to, you know, like Sidney Crosby's not going to think, well, look, I want to play for my country. Of course I do. But I don't want to leave the Penguins high and dry for five weeks just because I test positive for COVID. Um, mm-hmm. But they've said that they wanted to keep the promise to the players, but health and safety concerns and completing the regular season has meant that they are now not allowing the players to go. Um, just to uh, quote some of the comments from our, our, our best friend on the show, of course, uh, NHL Commissioner Gary B. He said, uh, the National League respects and admires the desire of NHL players to represent the countries and participate in a best-on-best best tournament, um, which is why we have waited as long as possible to make this decision while exploring every possible option to enable our players to participate in the Winter Olympics. Unfortunately, given the profound disruption to the NHL's regular season caused by the recent COVID-related incidents, uh, they've said that well, decided that uh, it's no longer appropriate for them to go. I Maybe I am biased here, so I'm going to just remind people that can't tell the accent, uh, I'm British, shock. Uh, and that means that um, when it comes to Olympic tournaments, as somebody who follows Great Britain, uh, I don't care <laughs> because we're never in them. <laughs> and even when we are, we're we're just making the numbers up. We're there just to prop up the uh, the standing. So you've got four teams in every group. Like, but I can understand why if you're a Canadian or if you're you know so you, the United States, Sweden, Russia, I can totally understand why. It's a tournament that means something to those people. But I think the NHL has done the right thing here. When when Gary was talking around being able to fill in the gaps, you know, make up the games, I was kind of thinking at the time, man, you better have a plan B, Betman, because this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be over on January first, right? So great to get your thoughts, JP. But for me, 
as much as I would have loved to have seen a best-on-best tournament, I'd rather see an 82-game regular season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. Um, I love the Winter Olympics. Uh, you know, every, I, I think most people who care for sports at all really enjoy watching the Olympics. But as a kind of an NHL fan, I, that's that's where my primary passion lies. So just from a selfish point of view, yep. I haven't lost much sleep about them not going to the Olympics. Um, that being said, it's, it's distressing only because of what it says about the state of the world. So it's not to say that it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but, uh, you know, my disappointment comes mostly from the fact that the world is still having to deal so heavily with this pandemic. And, you know, so that's a bummer, right? Uh, That, that part of it. And, and, you know, for the players, I'm sure they're disappointed as well. It's, it's, it's a bit of a once in a lifetime thing. You don't get many chances to go to the Olympics. So it's disappointing in that regard, yeah. but it, just strictly from a selfish point of view, you know, that, yeah, I'm not, it, it doesn't matter that much to me. You know, I'm, I, I'm sure I would have watched some Olympic hockey, but, um, but yeah, I'm an NHL first guy. And that was my first concern when they started talking about the Olympics, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember thinking, do we lose guys like from the team yeah, to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Like I didn't like that idea because you know, you want to win a cup. You're like, no, 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 we got to make the playoffs. You yeah. Know? Like, are you kidding me? But, um, yeah. And then as far as the, the league pause, I mean, it's a few days, but my prediction is it won't be a few days. I don't think it's going to be a few day pause. Uh, three, three, four days. Isn't going to cut it in terms of this is buying time. This is buying the league time while they figure out what they're going to do. But their hockey's not coming back on Monday. I don't think I could be wrong, no, but I, I, you know, I, it is not enough time no. for people who are on COVID protocol to sort of get over the illness or to be, you know, not be contagious. And this was a move to take, you know, they had to move quickly, take some action. And then that buys them a few days to figure out what they're going to do. But hockey's not, I don't think we're going to see any hockey next week personally i am in complete agreement with you on that i we said it on the last podcast you know things get really complicated when you've got a a league which crosses a border you know we've we've Mm -hmm. seen it a little bit in the uk but not like what canada and the us had and had last time around like the reason why the bubbles were there the reason why everybody was playing in the same arena or a couple of arenas was because that was the only way the two governments would allow people to travel. So, um, you know, it, and the way that Omicron is, it's going to be kind of fast and hard in terms of like the way in which it's going to sweep through countries. Um, Mm-hmm. so so yeah but it is christmas so let's stop talking about covid and um yeah and and uh, move on to the other stuff so last thing that i wanted to cover uh and it was looking at the two teams and we'll start with the vegas golden knights so a kind of a season so far, um, probably a nice time to do it. I was going to do it anyway because it was Christmas and then the year um, and I will stop playing Noddy Holder now. But uh, the um, but actually with the shutdown and the pause and you, you write what you said earlier, I think the pause will be longer than we expect. I think we'll probably be looking at a pause in January. Let's hope not, but you never know. So it's a nice time to take reflection and to think, okay, so where's where's the teams at? So 
Um, obviously, I sent the questions through to you earlier, but you don't have to go in any particular order, JP. But I mean, how do you feel that the the, the Vegas Golden Knights season has gone so far? Yeah, it's a bit. Well, it's been a of in the team's history, it's been sort of the wildest, craziest season in terms of ups and downs and adversity and big news and that sort of stuff. Probably since year one, you know, when they went on that crazy Stanley cup final run. So it, it's been nuts, but it is also, uh, shown how, how well built the organization is. It is incredibly deep. And so, I mean, with all the injuries, an unbelievable string of injuries, you know, where half, basically half the roster was out hurt for quite some time. uh, And they still managed to move along at a, at a winning clip, like a three out of every four games clip somehow with half a roster of guys that are now in the AHL. So, um, it's been very impressive in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, now that they're mostly healthy, you know, they're pretty close now. Um, a few players still out on, of course, the whole Eichel thing. He's not even, you know, in the lineup yet. But uh, they definitely are looking like what people expected them to be, which is a contender. They're they're definitely a contender. I mean, they've been looking really good. Um, probably going to have to move a player, as we know, want to make room for Eichel mm-hmm. uh, when he gets healthy. So it's probably a, a big name on the move, I would expect. But... Um, They've got, in my opinion, probably one of their best shots at winning a cup. Um, still a few problems, right? Like there's the uh, the power play has been a problem up until recently, though. The last three or four or five games, it's actually improved quite a bit. So uh, I think I think the Knights are looking fantastic. And you may have to remind me on the specific questions. Uh, Ian, you may have to prompt me. No, that's no, fine. It's fine. It's um, fine. I sort of uh, answered the questions in my head looking over them, but if there's another element that I'm not covering, <laughs> cool. let me know. And just like, so but, you're uh, right. I mean, like as it stands right now, um, and if I go by division rather than by the wild card, because it's, it's probably a better position right now when we're looking at a kind of season so far, but the Vegas Golden Knights have played 32 games. They've got 40 points. They've won 12 games. Um, weirdly, they've got no overtime victories, which is, which is odd. So you you are an all or nothing team. You either win, not a or lot lose. of overtime games. No, yeah, no. they just we, they just don't go to haven't. They've either gone to shootouts, but they rarely when they do go to overtime, it never seems to finish in OT. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and a point percentage of six two five. Mm-hmm. So and they went from they were in fifth in the division six weeks ago, and now they're in first. They so that first. tells you what kind of tear they've been on. Yeah, and they are level yeah. with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, mm-hmm. but you have a better goal difference than they do, hence why you are in top. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously we talked about the the depth as one of the things that's that's gone well, and, and I think you're right in terms of the structure, and there's been a few, you, you know some of these guys, obviously I don't, but you know I was watching the Tampa Bay game this morning, and there'll be a couple of players that will touch the puck, and I'll mention a name playing for the Knights, and I'll think, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's, it's been yeah. a few times. And this is, these are young guys, right? These are guys that are coming up from the from mm-hmm. from Henderson. So, which is which is yeah, got to be good for you. But and what's one thing that's not gone so well for the Knights this year? Yeah, um, the the power play. Mm-hmm. It, it's been it has absolutely been. I mentioned that already, but it's um, it bears repeating. The power play has been at times abysmal. 
it's amazing that they're winning so much too with a power play that's that's that bad. Now, last four or five games, I posted a stat um, on my Twitter page. If you believe that, um, <laughs> I actually posted a stat wow. that for the uh, before yesterday's game, I think the, over the last five games, their power play right now is at like forty five percent for the last five games. So it's going well for the last you know five six games, but prior to that. They just it just wouldn't click now in their defense. Um, they were playing with a banged up roster and power play is a very specialized position The the people they brought in specifically to bolster the power play in the offseason, namely um, the Donoff and Patrick, uh, you know, Patrick's been out injured. Nolan Patrick's been out injured for quite a while. And, um, uh, you know, they've been moving to Donoff all over the lineup like they, they weren't they, they haven't had all their guys playing in the position that they were signed to play in right some of these players they have the power play in mind for them they haven't been able to use them but still you look at the systems and it just hasn't been working and to get over the hump the general sentiment from most knights fans is if they're going to go all the way if they're going to win a cup that power play has to be better it just has to be because when you get too deep in the playoffs you get the conference final get to the stanley cup final a lot of times one goal is is the difference between going on to the next round and or winning the cup or or getting eliminated, right? And um, and so you have to you have to be able to get power play goals when you have one, yep. right? Um, and so that's been the concern. Like I said, it's it's looking a lot better the last four or five games. Is that an anomaly or is that a sign of good things to come? Hard to say. I will say that Dodonov and Patrick have both shown flashes of brilliance on the power play, especially when they're in there on the same unit. So we can get Patrick healthy and get that those power play units structured the way they were initially intended to be, um, you know, that may continue to improve. But that has, if you ask any Knights fan, that has been the big talking point, the power play. Now the Knights are known for an outstanding penalty kill. Um, and it's been very good all season except recently. So strangely, the power play has gotten better and the penalty kill has actually declined a little bit, but yep. Four or five games. I try not to read too much into that. That's a smaller sample size, so some of that could be an anomaly. But um, so as it stands, your penalty kill at nineteen point two percent is the fifteenth mm-hmm. best. So fifteenth out of thirty-two. Yeah. Um, middle of the middle yeah, of the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, but your penalty kill is seventy-six point nine, and is in fact the twenty-fifth in the league. Yeah, so it's slipping. Mm. And, yeah, I, and weirdly, so teams that have worse penalty kills than you do include the Jets, the Canucks, as we mentioned, uh, and the Avalanche. Yeah. Um, so I think it's safe to say that special teams just is an issue for the Knights. And, and is, the, yeah. there's been a, you know, I, I'm not one to call for firings of coaches. I, you know, I don't, that's not really my style because I think it, I think when you call for coach firings as a fan, you're it's a little bit on the arrogant side because you're claiming to know the inner workings of the team. And it's far more com- complicated than that. I don't think it's always as simple as like, fire the special teams coach. But but that being said, it's been bad for a while. It's, you know, it's been bad for the last couple of seasons. And a lot of people say that's what's kept the Golden Knights from winning the cup. You get into the playoffs and they can't take advantage of the power play when they need to. So a lot of people have been calling you know, for Steve Spot's head, who's the power play coach, you know, they're like fire Steve Spot. Like you're hearing that a lot, yeah. but um, it's more complicated than that. Power plays, you know, special teams, they're, they're specialized skill sets. And sometimes you've got a roster full of players who 
you know, maybe there aren't as many people that specialize in just like line mates and stuff like that. You need chemistry between the, your power play units and, you know, it's, it's more complicated than just, well, it's the coach, you know, the coach is a factor, no doubt about it, but, uh, but it's weird. And then all of a sudden the last five games they're, they're clipping along. And I think that's because they're getting healthier. And I think that's because they're able to play much closer to the special teams units that they, that they built the team for. Right. Um, you know, there, a lot of the people that they want to be out there are out there now, as opposed to, you know, a couple of uh, starting roster players and three AHL guys, you know, which nothing against the AHL guys, but it's not the way the team was built, right? So no, and consistency is such a big factor in in you know in in special teams because especially the PK, the unit has to know where they're going to be. If you're playing a zonal or an aggressive system like we were talking earlier, everybody's got to be mm-hmm. on the same page because the second that one player is in the wrong place, the whole system collapses. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, having guys banged up and you guys have had a lot of injuries this year. um, And I know most people have because of COVID protocols, but you've had a lot of injuries outside of the COVID stuff, which obviously has impacted Mm -hmm. teams. Um, Yeah. So moving on then to the next bit. So this was around uh, expectations, I guess. Uh, So I'm going to link these two questions together. So, what is your revised expectations for the Golden Knights and what could make or break that prediction? Mm. So my overall expectations haven't really changed. I went into this season feeling like the Knights are are a serious contender. That hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. And I was a little less worried than a lot of the fans were. There was a lot of anxiety with the fans when they went through that rough patch there. Um, I always kind of felt like, nah, I think if they could, they'll hang in there at 500 and then they'll climb back up. And they actually did better than that. Um, So my expectations are the same. I expected, you know, a a deep playoff run, hopefully another Stanley cup final appearance. Um, You know, obviously hopefully the cup, but I think getting to the Stanley cup final at the very least, um, you know, you could consider that a success, but um you, but the other question was what make or break, right? Yeah, like what kind can of make what's the break make or break? Season. Yeah, yeah. I, I think two things. One we already discussed: <laughs> the, whether or not they can get that the special teams dialed in a little bit better. We already talked about mm-hmm. that. I think the other thing is goaltending, and um, you know, right now, Leonard has not been as good this year as I think people were hoping he would be. It wouldn't say he's been bad. No. But he's he's not at his best right now, and his season stats he's not at his best. Um, some of that may not be his fault too, right? I mean, some of that it, 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 defense and and goaltending are kind of symbiotic, um, and with you know through that stretch of time there where they had half the roster was guys called up from the AHL that's going to affect Leonard's stats and the way the Knights managed to win those games is just by scoring more, but they weren't shutting teams out. You know, they weren't winning, you know, one, zero, two, zero, five, one, like they weren't blowouts, you know? And so that's going to affect his statistics. So I think it's maybe a little early to say that Leonard hasn't had a good season because that may not all be on him, but that is a question mark. You know, we, he would need to be dialed into top form, I think, if they're going to go all the way. Um, 
and he may, you know, like I said, he may be in top form. It's it's a weird, like I said, a symbiotic relationship. And sometimes you can blame a goal, a goaltender or a goalie, and then you look back and you realize, oh, well, you know, certain percentage of those weren't his fault, right? They were defensive lapses or whatever. So, you know, cro- quick pass across the slot uh, on, on a break or something like a lot of goalies just aren't going to stop that. You know, when you got a big yawning cage to put a puck into yet that still affects their save percentage, right. And their goals against average and all that. So I um, I agree. Hard to say for sure, but he definitely has let in a soft one or two. Like I've seen him let in some soft ones and he's been nursing a couple of little minor nagging injuries. Like he was out injured last night. Mm So, um, so yeah, if I were going to sum it up, I'd say they got to dial special teams in a little tighter and Leonard will have to find his game a little bit more. He seems like he's got his head screwed on straight about it though. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think he's worried about it. I think, um, it's just how and it he's, goes. He's not being bad. Flow, like so. you said, I think he's just not, not at all. been yeah. at the level that he would hold himself accountable for. So the level yeah. that he, he would he's, expect from himself. He's capable and of I better. mean, like I looked like, at the safe percentage while you were talking and he's not even in the top 25 in the league, which is surprising. Yeah. And that includes well, especially, backups, by the way. So it's not out of 32. That's out of essentially 64 yeah. and then some. But, um, you know, to be behind people like Swayman, Allmark at Boston, who haven't had a perfect season, um, yeah. You know, you're ahead of the Kraken goal is, but it's uh, but it's just not good enough, I guess, if you're Robin Leonard. So I think I think you're yeah. right. It's um just it's like like you said, for me, the, the Golden Knights have had the season that I would have expected given the amount of injuries they've had. I wanna see Eichel. That's what I wanna see. I wanna see yeah. where's Eichel gonna fit into that team. Who do you have to lose? Mm-hmm to get him in yeah and how does that all look yeah. for me that's the make or break is can you get eichel to to turn this team from being a contender into being like a favorite i can I, I completely agree i can't even believe that i didn't mention eichel i think i'm so used <laughs> to looking at the team as it stands yeah. now eichel still seems like a pipe dream it doesn't yeah. seem like a reality right because mm-hmm. we haven't even seen him on the ice but you're no you're totally right there and it's weird because stevenson who's the top line center right now you know mm-hmm. it's funny people just assume that he's going to get bumped down or moved to the third line but he's got his numbers are pushing elite right now mm-hmm. he's a point per game guy right now and his chemistry with um stone and patcheretti is the, the three of them together are fantastic and stevenson is so fast so some people are like, really? Are you going to move Stevenson yeah. like, and, and throw Eichel in there? Like, Some people even think like maybe if one of the misfit line, one of the second line gets moved, you know, they think maybe Carlson goes to the third line and Eichel is on the second line. But I think you're right. How do you harness that elite scoring from him while not tearing up the chemistry? You know, you get the Pacioretty's been on fire. Oh, so I would, I'd be nervous about touching that line. I wouldn't want to touch it. <laughs> you know, Pacioretty, Stone, like, yeah. wow, the three of them together are so good. So, uh, yeah, no, you're right. That is a definite make or break. Yeah. Where does Eichel fit into the lineup? How do you get the best out of him without subtracting from, you know, one of the other two top lines? So it'll be interesting. It's a nice problem to have, I would say. A nice problem to have, but yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question for the coach because mm-hmm. you know the worst thing for you to for the for the 
for the Knights to have is is where you put someone like Eichel in your team and actually you get worse. Even though on paper you should get better because the chemistry right. gets affected, the lines gets affected. And we, you know, you guys have proven as a team how important line chemistry can be because nobody expected you to be the team you were until players started mm-hmm. playing together. So right. it'll be interesting to see where that all gets uh, fit in. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it looks like they're, um, you know, the word on the street is the the most, I think you and I have discussed this, the most likely, if they're going to move one of the misfit line, the most likely to go would probably be Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a plug. That's not a direct substitution. Eichel's a center, you know, so, you know, you would say, oh, we'll just slot Eichel in for Smith, but you're not going to do that. Right. You know, Smith's a winger and you're not going to move Carlson to the wing. I don't think. He can play uh, wing, I but I, I don't think it's, he, it's he not can. good. Posi- I, he's, it would be wasting no. one of his talents, in my opinion. I think I think that you'd be more likely to see, in that scenario, something like Eichel goes in with Marcia So and maybe maybe Dodonoff or something like that, and then Carlson centers the third line or something. I think that would be a more likely. Yeah. And that's a deadly third line with, with William Carlson on it, you know. But uh, I guess Eichel's not going to be down that low. He's he's got to be one or two, right? Like one, you know, one C or two C. Um, and you could also see a situation where they reconfigure it, where the first line is, you know, where the uh, Stevenson, Pacioretty, Stone is the second, second line, line yeah. right? And, yeah, yeah, and then you build a first line around Eichel or something like that. But it's all about ice time, anyway, isn't it? I think that's where the players focus more on ice time than they do on what line they're on. Um, but DeBoer does have previous of, of liking stacked four lines of you know of, of offensive players. He used to do that with San Jose, where he would have like there wasn't like a real like he would roll all four lines, you know. So in both offensive and defensive situations, so I could see right. Carlson being. Or I, I could either see one of two things. I could either see Carlson going and being the player that gets traded. Um, yeah, you know, like you said before, the, the yes, he's a fan favorite, but that's not stopped the Golden Knights before. Or right, he moves to the third, and Smith is the casualty. Right, I just right, don't yeah. see who yeah, exactly. else you can move unless you're moving a defenseman. But with injuries and COVID still going to be a factor, I think moving a defenseman would be a uh, a risky strategy because the only way you're going to move a defenseman that's going to make a big enough impact cap wise. Is I think McNabb would be doable, but mm-hmm. it's a tough player to replace, you know. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's um, that'll be the the big news. Everybody waiting with bated breath to see who goes, <laughs> you know, who goes, and then what's the what's the lineup look like once Eichel's in it, exactly. you know. Um. So, obviously, I went through the same questions uh, for the Seattle Kraken. A very different season, polarizing seasons, in fact. So whilst we said that the Vegas Golden Knights were sat top of the uh, Pacific Division, which you are sat top of the Pacific Division, uh, the Seattle Kraken now find themselves bottom of the Pacific Division. Uh, played 30 games. I've played two less games than you guys, but played give or take the same number of games as the people around us. So we can't use that as an excuse. Um, we won 10 games, lost 17, and have three overtime losses, uh, 23 points, and a point percentage of 383, which is 
I believe. I'm just double-checking now. I think it's the, yep, so it's the fifth worst. Uh, is it fifth worst? Yes, fifth worst point percentage, fourth worst, sorry, point percentage in the league. Uh, so we are actually ahead of the New York Islanders in the NHL standings, but in reality, they've got a better point percentage than we do. They've just played less games. But Ottawa, Ottawa, Montreal, Arizona, and us are the uh, bottom four, uh, not in that order. So, uh, so yeah. So in terms of what's gone well, it was a, that was a really tough question to answer. But I, I just kind of thought took a leaf out of your book, JP, in terms of thought more philosophically rather than statistically. Um, but I'm going to say that the thing that's gone well for the Kraken is the fan base and the actual launch of the team. You know, regardless to where the team standings are, you know, they've entered the league in style. Jersey number sales were through the roof, still are through the roof. They sold out of their jerseys for a period of time. Um, you know, the seats are sold 10 times over. There's still a, a real buzz in the arena. Obviously, we'll hear more about that when we interview uh, Gordon, but there's a, a big buzz in the arena anyway even when we're not winning, which is which is important given where we are statistically. Um, but I, I think the fan base and the actual launch of the team is what is the Kraken's biggest success and will probably end up being their biggest success this season. It's just the fact of how they, you know, entered the league, if you will, and the impact that they've made as, as a team. Just, we were saying this before we came on air, but there's a lot of like fans who their kind of secret second team is now the Kraken. Like we've got a lot of fan bases rooting for us, even though um, they don't support us as such. Uh, And I think that's because generally people are quite happy with, you know, and and like what the Kraken are trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's um, kind of in contrast to sort of what happened with the Knights when they joined the league, uh, and this can be a good thing in, in the long run. A lot of people hated the Golden Knights with a passion, and they still are one of the most hated teams in the league for a lot of obvious reasons. Um, the, there's not a lot of crack and hate right now, and I think that can be good. <laughs> yeah. I think that can be good for a franchise uh, over to, over time, right? Like everybody feels um, Right, like, like if you if you like a team, kind of right out of the gate, if you sort of develop like an affection for a team mm-hmm. early on, it's easy to root for them later. Because you're always like, oh yeah, the Kraken, those guys, you know, that's a cool team. I love the jerseys. I like the concept. I like what they're doing out there. Yeah. And I think I think maybe for that could be strangely a good thing for business over time, right? Like, and obviously people hated the Knights for a lot of different reasons, but. Um, and they both can be effective. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like being a team that everybody hates can can also, you know, gets you a lot of press and everything. But it's kind of polar opposite in that regard. But I think in the long run, that can be good for merchandising. That can be, especially like the East Coast fan bases, right? Eastern fan bases, Metropolitan, mm-hmm. Atlantic, you know, don't face the Kraken that often. And um, so, yeah, like you said, like they're kind of an honorary second favorite. And that's a good thing for business for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think the business has been a success this season, even if the on-ice product hasn't quite been there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it is frustrating. I mean, that probably takes me on to the second piece, and I'll, I'll cover some of these all together. But the stuff that's not gone so well, obviously the on-ice 
product hasn't been great. I, I feel that there's, it's very easy. And I, I wrote goalies down as a thing that's not gone so well. Obviously, I have to highlight that because, you know, they do have the worst collective save percentage in the league. You know, that is going to, that's a factor. If we want to win more games, then we need to make more critical saves. And we need Grubau to be better. Grubau's a little bit in the Robin Leonard mold where I think he's better than his numbers would suggest. Um, he's received, and I, you know, I see a lot of it on Twitter that the, and this is from the Kraken fan base as well, but it tends to be more vocal people outside of it. But they, the fan base has lost patience with him. And because he was the big money signing, which he was when he came in, then I, I think that the fan base has started to now get to a point where they expect better from him. And it's a difficult position for a goalie to be in when you're kind of under pressure. Um, and if only I had the queen... Uh, little G, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't. So uh, people just have to pretend that they can hear Freddie Mercury saying under pressure. But um, it's like, and and then and then the hope was that Trigger would then step up and like take his chance to be the number one, and and that didn't happen either. He's had a few better games recently, um, but nothing consistent. And I think it's that's the killer for the Kraken right now. Is they're not consistent enough. Um, to be a threat to teams they get blown out in games that they shouldn't do um they then win games that they shouldn't win which is frustrating as a fan because you think how the hell do you beat the edmonton oilers or whoever it might be but then you lose to arizona like there's just no it's, it's hard to kind of conceivably look and i know the league is tight and parity is a massive factor in that but you never know what kraken is going to turn up you know, when I'm watching the games and I still watch all of the games religiously like a sad sod, but you just don't I just don't know who I'm going to be watching. Am I going to be watching a team that looks solid at the back and then is unlucky and loses or wins? Or am I going to be watching a team where they give three or four turnovers away and they just get peppered on the break? And, you know, they may well have twenty minutes of the sixty sat and the other teams you know, defensive zone in there, you know, while they're on the attack. But if you're not going to do anything with it, it's irrelevant. It's a pointless stat, you know. So I think the Kraken need to sort out who they are and, and what they're going to be about. And this takes me on to the point around revised expectations and deadline moves, which we obviously didn't talk about for Vegas because there probably aren't going to be any other than the one probably we mentioned not. around yeah. who they're going to get rid of. But um yeah. Revised expectations for the Kraken. Most Kraken fans know that they're not going to make the playoffs. It's pretty clear this season is about building, um, which means that at the deadline, you know, it's not a fire sale. It's not everything must go kind of style because a lot of the guys that they signed, Alexiak, Larson, um, I want to say Gord as well. Now, these guys have got no, no uh, excuse me, no movement clauses. Excuse me. So, you know, you can't, you can't move these guys, and they've just moved their life from Dallas or wherever they they were beforehand to live in Seattle. Like, if they come up and say, "Will you move a no movement clause?" Like, Alexiak's going to say, "No." Like, that's why that's why I asked right. for it. So, right, you're talking about being able to move like that next tier of guy. So, for me, that is people like I think Jan Croak will go. I think. 
Johansson will go. I think that um, potentially Giordano could go back to Calgary, but I just don't see it. I don't see him being traded. I know that I've seen some chatter on Twitter around Giordano potentially being a deadline dangle, as they were calling it, which I quite like that as a a thing, like a deadline dangle. (laughs) But yeah, okay. If he moves to somebody, he's not moving back to Calgary because he's not going to go back as the captain. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't go back. Yeah, He's not going to go back and report to somebody else. It's not, it's not, it's not, and it looks bad for the Kraken franchise as well to trade your captain. Um, but obviously, he's on an expiring deal, so there's there's kind of passion and logic at play here. You know, uh, fighting each other. Like the the logic would say, well, it's better that you get a second round pick or something for Giordano than he just disappears at the end of the season and you pat him on the back and say thanks for being the first ever franchise captain. Um, but from a heart perspective, you can totally understand why fans that have bought his jersey would get a bit peed off if the Kraken trade him, you know, in, in March. So I think it'll be that next tier down. I don't think we'll trade anybody that's going to kind of blow the deadline to pieces. I, I don't see us like getting a raft of first round picks and, you know, like somebody, again, I saw people talking around where well, the Kraken need to bolster up on picks i'm thinking yeah they, they will do but you know just to manage expectations for the fan base that, that we know listens to this podcast like when we say that, that they will bolster on picks which i think they will i think they'll bolster on third and fourth round picks not first and seconds because we just don't have the assets to move that we that are actually things that we i'm mean, like Kelly Yarncroke's not going to get us a first round pick. It's just not going to happen. Like he's maybe a second at best, but that that's it. Right. Um, right. So in terms of what that means to the, what could make or break us this season, it's not actually the season. It's the off season. So I think we've got yeah. to have a good deadline, um, but don't do anything stupid. And for God's sake, sign McCann to a deal, get his contract done because you don't want him to go. He's one of the like shining lights this season. Him, Eberle, Schwartz, uh, Benberg as well. Like they are playing well, you know, statistically and you know, using my eyes as well. Those guys have settled in nicely. We're kind of like offensively, we're not that far off being a really good team. We're scoring a lot more goals than I was expecting the Kraken to score. Donato's looking good. Uh, you know, Johansson is actually looking quite solid as a like a third line kind of you know, bottom six scoring line. I know he's played on the high. You know, Yanni Gord's look good in spells and Tanev's look good in spells. So we've we've got some positive players. So you don't want to like burn the house down because you need to change a few doors. So it's just sorting out the goalies and 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 making sure that we use the draft picks that we have because we're not going to have two first round picks. We're going to have one first round pick and it's going to be ours. And we need to make sure that we draft the right guy to take the franchise forward in years to come. Because, you know, we said this back on the prediction podcast, what feels like a generation ago now, JP, but it was probably about three or four months ago. Um, the Kraken are taking a different journey to get to the same place. The Vegas Golden Knights took the yellow brick road. They took the nice straight road off to the, you know, the castle or whatever the hell it is in uh, 
in The Wizard of Oz. I don't know. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen that film. Um, and no, I'm not going to sing that. Um, but the, yeah. <laughs> but the, whereas the Kraken have taken like, you know, the alternate route and it's the one that has um, lots of trees and windy roads and a couple of uh, cliff edges to be careful of. So, um, you know, we tr- we drafted really well the first season. I really like Bernier. He's he's looking very good in the NCAA. Um, and there is another draft this season, which has a lot of good young talent. Um, and that's where Seattle have got to focus. Now, they don't want to. You don't want to write the season off because that's a really bad message to be sending to the fan base. So it's not about writing it off because anything can happen. In quotations. But we're not making the playoffs. So, you know, the scouting team within the Seattle Kraken, which is a very talented scouting team, they need, they will be, no doubt, they know the importance of, of what they bring to that organization. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's about, and right now you can still build good habits. You can still build a good team culture. You can still and momentum. develop your identity. Yeah, yeah and momentum, yeah. absolutely, because it, and, and belief, mm-hmm. right? That the, the more you're able to win and the more you're able to get your systems working, uh, the more the team develops its identity. 100%. And the team starts to believe in those systems. And so it's still a lot of productive work that can be done this season, building towards next season. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, um, I mean, we always said before, we're obviously going to delve into Kraken and, and Vegas as the season progresses anyway. And I will try and relook at the goalie stats um, probably once the season restarts and see if, we, if there's any trends. Um, but, you know, we, we talked obviously about Group Bauer before. Frustratingly for him, and I mean, this, this is where I think the fan base gets really annoyed is they'll see him pull off an absolute worldy save, you know, one of those kind of like shouldn't catch it glove saves. Um, and then like a period later, there'll be a shot from the point and it will go five hole and you'll see it trickling. And you think, Oh, like it yeah, is, it's right. just, yeah. I think it's probably just going to end up being one of those years for him. Um, but right. for the, to finish on a positive, because you know, it is Christmas and all, if you look at Grubauer and Trigger and their stats, they're both, on course to have their worst seasons ever. Um, and you're probably thinking that's not much of a positive stat in which it isn't. Um, but what it means is that both of them aren't in their first year. So they are seasoned professionals who have had a few years in Driegers and even more years in Grubauer's case of being a NHL goalie. And for this to be the first year where they have any stats tells you all you need to know, which is that these players are better than their numbers would say. It's just about finding out what's the root cause, why is it not working, and fixing it. You know, maybe that's tactically, maybe that's mentally. I guess that'll be up for the coaches. But yeah, it's uh, yeah tough the, one. the the. The Kraken are, I've always believed the Kraken are a couple of tweaks away from being a, a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking it to the next level and being a contender is something different. But to, I'm talking about like being a team that has a winning record. Um, I think they're, I think they've got the basic blueprint there to do that. But um, 
the sort of symbiosis of all of those things coming together, then you, then you get something greater than its parts. And that's what they haven't quite discovered yet. Right. Is, is you do teams sort of, do they find this, you know, they eventually find sort of this system that clicks and everybody's working together well. And then all of a sudden the team is, they don't just take a little jump up all of a sudden they're winning a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's because all those things come together to make the team greater than what it appears to be on paper. And, um, I've, I've always felt like the Kraken kind of have the stuff to do that, but, um, but it's hard, it's hard to find it. Right. And it's just, yeah, it's just obviously not quite there yet, but, um, but I don't think they're, they're that far from it. You know, it just, a move, a move here, a move there, or yeah. a system tweak here, a system tweak there, and then some confidence. And um, but sometimes it takes time, right? It takes time to find that. So. Yep. Yeah, and I thought we've had no jerseys thrown on the ice yet, so it can't be that bad. Apparently, according to NHL.com, is the barometer of how bad your team's doing. Yeah, okay, so. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the gauge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, although I know from buying them, those jerseys are pretty pretty pricey, so I'm not sure I'd be throwing mine on the ice. Um, I would not throw mine, no. But it's also just not my way. Yeah. So yeah, so that is that is that. Well, we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the league. Um, we are planning on recording an episode which will be released uh, if I can check my dates here. Uh, it will be released on the 2nd of January, he says. Oh, no, I'm wrong. The 3rd of January. So we will be doing an episode which is released on the 3rd of January. Um, what that will cover... Honestly, as of today, I don't know. The the aim, we have got some pretty exciting stuff planned for January and February, which when we get into 2022, uh, both myself and JP will be able to tell you about where we want to take uh, the offensive zone. Um, and I would be really cheesy to say, take it to the next level. But where we want to take it into the next year would be accurate because we want to, we want to, there's <laughs> things we want to do more of, things we want to do less of. Uh, and obviously you, the listeners, um, you know, we are just kind of one big community. So that is, your thoughts and feedback is uh, is really important on that. Um, but there is a, a there is a strong possibility that come the third of January, the only hockey that's been played will be esports hockey <laughs> because it may well still be in lockdown, shut down, whatever you want yeah. to call it. Yeah, we may not have much to talk about. Yeah, if that is the case, we may end up pausing a week. So we'll do a league pause, a podcast pause um, for a week whilst we get, because just so that we've got more to talk to you about. Um, so, but we will we'll play it by ear. And obviously those of you that follow us on Twitter, we will post a, you know, to let you know whether or not there is going to be an episode once we know what's happening with the league. So we'll keep you informed. But as I said, we've got lots of cool stuff planned for January and February. We've got a few interviews. Um We've got some kind of special things that we want to look into, which is great. So if this and this is going to be the last episode we do of 2021, um, and I can speak for myself, JP, obviously Max and Tyler as well. And that's to say that we thank you for every single one of your listens within 2021. Um, it's been a really exciting year for us. Obviously, we only kickstarted this podcast a couple of months ago. So to have had the feedback um, and the support and the dedication from from our listeners, uh, and obviously we see that in terms of listener numbers, 
um it's just been fantastic absolutely fantastic so so thank you guys for that it makes it all worthwhile of course um and there's only one last thing to say if i can get the thing to work and let's hope it does There you go. We'll get sued eventually. <laughs> um, so it is Christmas. So, it, you know, as I said, the last one, if you are, if you do celebrate Christmas, then I wish you a merry, merry Christmas. If you are having Hanukkah, then I wish you a happy Hanukkah. If you are enjoying the time off and not celebrating anything, then enjoy your time off. And I hope it's merry nevertheless. Um, so from myself and JP, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we will speak to you again in 2022. So, for us, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.